Good morning. I'm so glad that you joined us here today, whether you're here in person or online. Um, before I get into the message, let me just introduce myself a little bit. So as Ben just said, my name's Josh. I'm 16 years old, going into my junior year at Utica High School this year. I have one little brother who's two years younger than me, and as many of you know, I play soccer at Utica High, Utica High School. So we just finished up tryouts at the beginning of August, and for tryouts, it was a Monday, a Tuesday, and a Wednesday, and we had two-a-day sessions. So we did one session from nine, 7 to 9 in the morning, and then one session from 4 to 5.30 in the afternoon. I would go to those sessions, the morning sessions from 7 to 9, and then I'd come home. I'd run around, I'd get all sweaty, I'd come home, sit down on the couch, and do any of you know what it feels like just to be drenched in sweat and to have that sweat dry on your body? <laughs> you, I just, I felt unclean. I felt dirty. Many of you have experienced that, um, but I'm pretty sure we all, even if you haven't experienced that, can imagine a time in your life where you have felt unclean. I don't know, maybe for you it was when you were little, you're, you used to love to jump in mud puddles after it rained, and your mom had to pick you up out of those puddles and put you in the bathtub every time. It could be silly, it could be serious. But I'm almost certain we all have those stories. We can all remember a moment in our lives when we felt unclean. I want you to keep that idea of being unclean in the back of your mind as we go through the passage today. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. There should be Bibles in the seats in front of you if you want to read along, or it's on the app as well. But Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 12, while Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. It's so easy to come here and to read this passage, to think, Jesus performed a miracle. Next chapter, move on. But I want to sit here for a moment today. Because in order for us to truly understand what's going on, in order, us for, in order for us to understand the depth and the true meaning of this passage, we first have to understand what leprosy was in Jesus' day. Today, when we use the word leprosy, we're referring to what's known as Hansen's disease. But back then, when the authors of the Bible were using the term leprosy, it actually referred to several, several different skin conditions. It wasn't just Hansen's disease, it was many skin conditions. Today we have a cure for Hansen's disease, but back then there was no cure for leprosy. So if you got leprosy, you most likely had it for the rest of your life. Leprosy was a bacterial infection of the skin and the nerves. And with that, most of us are probably familiar with the, physical, the changes to the physical appearance that leprosy caused, that it would actually cause your skin to rot. But a much lesser known effect of leprosy is the nerve damage. When that leprous bacteria infects your nerves, it kills them and it, it makes, makes your nerves numb so that you can't feel anything. So then if you were a leper, you would go and touch something that was really hot and you'd burn your hand, but you wouldn't realize it because you didn't feel any pain. Then you'd keep using your hand and eventually that, that can cause serious damage. Or you'd be exposed to extreme cold, extremely cold temperatures and you would have frostbite on your fingers or toes. Even itching, when lepers would itch, they couldn't feel the nerves in their fingers, so they would itch and itch and itch, and that friction 
would actually cause their fingers to start to rub off. And because of that, it was somewhat common, actually, back then, to see lepers with missing fingers, missing toes, even missing parts of uh, ears and noses. And that brought up the fallacy, or the, the misconception, that leprosy actually causes those body parts to fall off. Today we know that that's, that's not true, that is a fallacy, that it's actually the nerve damage from the leprosy, so that when you injure yourself you can't feel it, and then you keep using it, and that can cause your body parts to fall off. Or the itching and the rubbing can cause the friction and cause your fingers to rub off. That's what causes those body parts to, to appear missing. And taking it one step farther, we also need to understand and know what the laws were that concerned lepers back then in Jesus' day. And for those, we can find those in Leviticus chapter 13. You don't have to flip here with me. Just stay in Luke if you have your Bibles open. But Leviticus chapter 13, we're going to read verses 45 and 46, which say, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean, he shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. In this passage, lepers are commanded to do a couple of things. First of all, they are commanded to wear torn clothes, incredibly torn clothes, so that when anyone looks at them with those torn clothes, you can see through to their skin. Because at some point, when you have leprosy, that leprosy is most likely going to cover you from head to toe. So wearing torn clothes would show off your skin and would show those around you that you have leprosy. And in addition to that, generically, just anyone who was wearing torn clothes was known to be unclean. So in public, you'd see someone who was wearing torn clothes and you'd look at them and say, stay away from that person because they're unclean. Lepers also had to cover their upper lip or their mustache area. They had to leave their hair long. They weren't allowed to cut it. And because there was a law that said that if you come within a certain distance of a leper, you also become unclean. Whenever lepers were in public, whenever they were around another person, they constantly had to shout, unclean, unclean. A shameful reminder to themselves and a warning to all those around them, stay away from me because if you come too close, you will become unclean. And to cap all of that off, they had to live outside the camp. They were forced to live alone outside of the camp or the city. And this was because in Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, we found out that God dwelt within the camp. That God dwelt with his people. That his glory filled the tabernacle. So to have a leper, or any unclean person for that matter, within the camp would defile God's presence. So they had to live outside the camp. But because of all of this, leprosy was considered living death. In fact, most back then would have considered it better to die than to be infected with leprosy. I mean, just think about it. They were separated from everything and everyone they once knew. All of their patterns of life were thrown off, thrown out the window. They would never live a normal life again. They were considered outcasts to society. They were practically dead to society. They didn't even exist anymore to all the people who were still living in the camp. Their image was appalling. No one wanted to look at a leper. Much less did anyone want to come near a leper, because then they would be considered unclean. And this leprosy actually became their identity. They no longer had a name. They were just referred to as the leper. 
and they had their very humanity stripped away from them. There was a rabbi who wrote in the Talmud that if you see a leper, you should pick up stones off the ground and throw them at that leper just to make sure that they don't come too close to you. They weren't even treated as human anymore. And possibly worst of all, there was absolutely nothing that they could do about it. They had leprosy. There was no cure. There was no solution to their problem. They had leprosy. And that was the end of it. But here's the real problem. We don't go far enough just looking at the leper in this story. The reality is that if you and I saw ourselves for who we really are, and if we saw our sin for what it really is, we would see that we are in the exact same position as this leper. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 says that we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. You and I are unclean before the holy God who created the universe. And Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2 says that your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. We are eternally separated from the God who gave us life. So looking at our condition, you can see that we're separated from God by so great a chasm that we can't bridge it because of our sin, because of our uncleanness. In addition to that, whenever God looks at you and me, he should be appalled by our image because of how unclean and broken and fallen we are. When he looks at us as sinners, that's all he should see. There's nothing good in any of us, in and of ourselves. And there's nothing that God can do with us but send us to hell because of how evil and vile we are. And there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. All our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. The best work that we have to offer falls short. We are stuck. There is no cure. There's no solution to the problem of our sin. You and I are spiritual lepers. Paul writes in one of his books that Sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sins. And the law provides no cure. I want you to note that Leviticus chapter 13 and 14 are all in their entirety about leprosy. But within those two chapters, there is no cure for leprosy, as I've already mentioned. Those two chapters only tell priests what they are to do when they discover someone has leprosy, how they are to treat someone with leprosy, what they are to do with them. And in the same way, the law has no cure for your sin and for my sin. It has only condemnation. It only tells us what God must do with us because we are sinful. And that means that if you have ever lied, from the smallest white lie to the biggest lie you could ever tell, if you have ever stolen something, no matter what the value of it is, 
if you have ever cheated, if you have ever lusted after another person and thereby committed adultery in your heart, if you have ever murdered, or sorry, if you have ever hated your brother or sister and thereby committed murder in your heart, if you have ever sinned against God, if you have broken any of God's commandments, if you have ever fallen short, you get death. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The due payment for our sin is death. And not just physical death, but spiritual death. Living in eternity in hell. So here we are, you and I, standing before the holy God, dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked, with nothing that we can offer him to make us clean. Stuck here without hope. So what do we do? Turn back to Luke. What does the leper in this story do? It says in verse 12 that when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. This leper came humbly before Jesus, acknowledging that he didn't deserve anything from him. But he came. He came fully knowing that there was nothing he could give Jesus that would make his healing worth it for Jesus. Nothing he had done and nothing he ever could do would give Jesus any reason at all to heal him. But he came, broken and filled with shame and guilt. He came with a contrite heart. And we know from the rest of Scripture that it wasn't just this leper coming to Jesus. It couldn't have been, because every human being in their fallen sinful nature isn't even able to choose to come to Christ. But we know that the Holy Spirit must have been working in him to draw him to Christ. And he came. And what was Jesus' response? In verse 13, it says that Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus didn't have to touch him. Just imagine the scene for a second. In the Gospel of Matthew, this same miracle occurs. But in Matthew, it occurs right after Jesus comes down from the Sermon on the Mount. And Matthew says that there are crowds of people surrounding Jesus. Multitudes of people without number. And all of these people, a leper shows up, and they see that leper. They possibly even smell his rotting flesh, and they know there's a leper present. They look at him, the leper, and they back up. They protect their families and their kids. But then Jesus. Everyone's backing up. And that makes a straight path from the leper to Jesus, because Jesus doesn't move. And possibly in the crowd, someone Someone shouts to Jesus, Jesus, it's a leper, get back, you'll be unclean. And Jesus just stands there. He doesn't move. While this leper still comes and approaches him. And the leper falls on his knees before Jesus. And says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus touches him such a small detail that's so easy to miss. But he touched him. 
This is the same God who created the universe just by speaking. He healed other people by just saying the word. He could have said the word and this leper would have been healed. But instead, he chose to reach out and touch this man. This diseased, unclean man. And notice that Jesus didn't become unclean. Usually, in our world, when something clean touches something that's unclean, that clean thing is contaminated and becomes unclean. But in this situation, when the pure holiness and the perfect cleanliness of Christ touches the uncleanness of that leper, the uncleanness of the leper flees. It can't stay within that man anymore. What does that mean for us? When we come to Christ, through the Holy Spirit, He can make us clean. In fact, Zechariah chapter 13, verse 1 says that on that day there shall be a fountain opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness. And that day has come. In fact, that day occurred about 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But there's a story that leads up to that that we need to be familiar with. And it all started on the first Christmas when Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. And that matters because unlike the rest of humanity, unlike you and unlike me, unlike every other human being who has walked this earth, Jesus was born clean. The rest of us were born with a sinful nature, tainted with sin from our very birth. We were conceived in iniquity. But Jesus wasn't. Jesus was born with a clean slate. He wasn't born with a sinful nature. He was born clean. And he maintained that cleanness throughout his whole life, having never sinned. He was tempted in all the ways that we are tempted, yet he was without sin. Until one day he went to the cross. And on that cross, he had your sins, every single one of them, and my sins, every single one of them, every sin that has been committed and that will ever be committed, placed on Jesus on that tree. He bore our sins in his body. He took your uncleanness and he took my uncleanness upon his own shoulders and he paid for it. He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that by Jesus' death and resurrection, by his death, our uncleanness was placed on him. So now, when God looks down at us, at you and me who believe in Jesus Christ and who trust in him for salvation, he sees Jesus' cleanliness. He sees someone who, yes, sins every day, but who is covered by Christ and by his perfect image. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he did just that. In fact, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed your transgressions from you. So today, if you're here and you haven't yet put your trust in Christ, 
I want to urge you to do that because he won't turn you away no matter how unclean you may be. If, even though you may think that I'm too unclean. Just let me fix myself up a little bit and then, then I'll come to Christ. That's not the point. Don't you understand that you can't make yourself clean? No good work, no number of good works that you ever performed will be able to save you. But come to Christ, because he is the fountain of cleansing, and he will cleanse you. He already knows all your uncleanness. You can't hide it from him. Come to him, and he will make you clean. But for all of us, what do we do now? It's a beautiful message, isn't it, the gospel? But what do we do with it? There are many things, but today I just want to encourage you. Look at verse 16 in Luke chapter 5. That verse says that after Jesus performed this miracle, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. If Jesus, the perfect one, chose to spend time in prayer, chose to spend time with his heavenly Father, how much more do we need to do that? Us as sinful, fallen human beings, how much more do we need to spend that time with God? So I want to challenge you. For the next week, every day, just set aside 10 minutes. 10 minutes out of the 24 hours you have in every day to talk to God, to spend time in prayer with him, just to thank him for making you clean when you couldn't earn it, when you didn't deserve it. Just thank him. Because what a gift that is. And start to build that habit in your life of daily prayer. And with that, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and all the blessings that you've already given us in it and all the blessings that you will continue to bless us with. Thank you for the opportunity to come before your word this morning and to hear you speak through it. I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear each and every day your word and what you're doing in and through us. But thank you for making us clean through your son. Thank you for giving us righteousness when we didn't have any. Thank you for sending your son, the innocent one, to die for all of us, the guilty. We would do well to, to meditate on that, that price and what it cost you that day to save us. But thank you, Lord. We just stand in awe before you for how much you were willing to give for us. Bless us this day and let us go in peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.